It's okay. We're live. All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast where we dive in on relationships, love, lust, dating, science, philosophy, psychology, and so much more. We're also on iTunes, so make sure to leave us a review there. Subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. Don't be shy. Or if you're watching here on YouTube, then hit that subscribe, hit the bell button so you get automatic updates and you won't ever have to search for another episode again. And there's no fee to watch the show other than tell a friend, all right? Um, we're going to be giving useful advice and tools on the show. We're going to tell stories. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to do all that fun stuff. So with that being said, let's welcome our guest today. Her name is Kelly Wong. I'm so happy to have her on the show today. She is from New York, New York, and she spent 25 plus years in the media buying industry, and she manages, she places, and she negotiates on behalf of clients on local TV, cable, and radio. But her side hustle here is um, she's in, she runs her own e-commerce business. She's a coach. She's a speaker. She does all these kinds of things. And that's kind of how we met. We met a couple of years ago at uh, Summit of Greatness uh, with Lewis Howes. Shout out, Lewis. And that's how we met. And so we've been, I guess, kind of social media buddies for the better half of the last year and a half. So uh, let's dive right in. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. I think a lot of different angles we can approach this, but I'm excited to dive in. What uh, what brings you onto the show? Like, I mean, I know I asked you to come on, but I mean, what what, what did you <laughs> want to come on and uh, share with us? Like, what, what's been on uh, your mind in terms of relationships? Um, yeah, I mean, I obviously, when I met you, um, I was intrigued by everything that you were doing. And we had that commonality of, um, you know, just doing other things to inspire people, motivate people. And we just had some great conversations and yeah, led to um, our social media relationships. So, um, but coming onto the show, I mean, there's different things. Um, I am older, um, I am 51 years old. And through that, um, I've just experienced it, so many ex uh, challenges, so much, um, wisdom through the years, whether it be uh, career-wise or whether it be relationship-wise. So um, hopefully I have something to offer to your audience to you know help them in any way. No, absolutely. You're definitely going to give us a lot of value here. I think um, just your experience in this relationship field alone is going to give a lot of light to, to the topic. So uh, I'm sure some people listening in can relate. And uh, so let's start. I mean, you gave me a couple notes here. And uh, I had a couple questions that I uh, had about your previous relationships that said that you were, you know, in a relationship for 12 to 13 years. But mm -hmm. I want to know a little bit prior to before that. I mean, you know, growing up as a, an Asian American, like how was that went from like, was there any pressures go growing up on you? Was there like your family telling you, oh, you need to get married at a certain age or you had to follow a certain guideline or was that was that existent for you or how was that like uh, for you growing up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm first generation born here um, and my parents are from China and coming here, you know, their main goal was that they were to raise their children to have an education, have a career um, as a female daughter. It would be get married, have kids, be stable. And I kind of disappointed them by <laughs> not uh, following those steps for them. Um, so first of all, um, it was a little bit harder because um, perhaps I didn't date a lot of Asian men. Um, so that was one challenge that I had. 
Um, and the other challenge was that I unfortunately stayed in a lot of relationships for a very long time. And I never really got the end result that I wanted, which was what I thought was always going to be marriage and children. But for some reason, I tended to stay in these relationships for, I would say, you know, five years the least, and the max was probably 12, 13 years. And none of those resulted to marriage and children, which, you know, unfortunately, you know, disappointed my parents. And that was hard. It was hard because, you know, I was having myself, um, my, my struggles within myself, but then I felt like I was disappointing my parents who, you know, their only daughter was not going to get married or have children. So those were the challenges that, you know, I've had for the past, you know, 20 some odd years. Mm. Yeah, I, I want to dive into so much of that. I have just a couple <laughs> questions I wanted to ask you. It, you know, growing up, was your mom mainly in charge of the household in terms of raising you, in terms of, you know, laying down traditions, laying down kind of the groundwork for the rest of your life? Or was it your dad or was it both? Did, were, were they both involved in, in kind of helping guide these unwritten rules to relationships? I mean, what, what was it like growing up for you? Um, I would say it was probably 75% my mom, you know, being as a mother and trying to guide her daughter in the right direction. And then 25% of my dad, um, you know, in terms of what his wishes were. You know, they come from, you know, a country where the norm is you get married and have children. So I think, you know, me out of all my siblings, I was the only one that was following to that suit was definitely challenging. Mm, I'm just curious, like, was your was, was your mom, did she have to, because she was more at home, did she have to be more the disciplinarian as well too? Like, did you, did she have to put on both kind of hats where she was like the nurturer, the caregiver, caregiver and the lover, but then she was also kind of like the disciplinary um, where you had to view her as both or was that 25% your dad just coming in and saying, okay, this is kind of the thing, how, how it needs to yeah. be. Yeah, <laughs> so they actually both worked. So my parents owned a cleaner laundry um, business and so they both worked at the same place. So I, I saw them pretty much equally. So it wasn't like my mom was a stay home mom and, you know, I spent more time with her. I saw them both equally. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, my mom as a role of a mother, you know, she felt that she had to give me more direction um, being as females. And, you know, my dad was more on the stern side and uh, just kind of um, just not not to instill fear because I think you know with that generation they tend to do that to us and um, but it was more um, this is the path that you should be going um, you know don't waste your time and you know um, it was not the freedom as now the generations are where they allow them to explore and allow them to do what they want it was more mm -hmm. dictated unfortunately because I'm first generation here. Um, so I would say 75, 25. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, when I grew up, my parent, my dad was barely around. My mom was the mm -hmm. one who had to nurture and care, but also hand out the whoopings. Right. And so she was yeah. like, 
she was like mom and dad pretty much in, in the thing. So that created a lot of confusion for me. That's which is why I ask you, but that's cool. Okay, cool. So you're first yeah. gen, uh, you, you're first generation born here. Awesome. Your parents um, kind of raised you and they're still together, obviously, right? They're yes. still together. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And um, so you decided that you were going to be in these long-term relationships, searching for marriage and children. And you said you've been in long-term relationships uh, minimum of five years and on. So let's start with like a couple of the early ones, I guess, like, you know, when did you, when did you first have like the most, the very first serious relationship, I guess? Um, I was in college and, um, you know, you go through that stage of, you know, your first love and, um, it's very hard to leave that first love. Um, and I, if I look back at all my relationships, you know, as much as they're all different people, you know, uh, different personalities, different looks, they all had a commonality. And I didn't really realize it until um, I met with my spiritual coach that pinpointed to me. And um, well, number one, the reason why I ended up staying with all these relationships is number one, I hate to fail in anything. And I just refused to let a relationship fail. And I just stuck it out for as long as I could to make it work, um, which, you know, wasn't good for me. But for me, it was at the time, it was just I needed to do everything that I could to make it work until it just kind of exhausted itself. Um, that was number one. Number two was um, and, and this probably goes back to my childhood, but all of my relationships, it was where that person may have needed me to that capacity. So not to say, you know, we all have a little bit of dysfunction in our lives, in our families, but I was always that person that made them feel like they needed me, whether it was um, as a friend, as a girlfriend, but just that they can always rely on me. And you know, my, my spiritual coach said I was the mother Teresa of all dysfunctional men. So I always wanted to save them. And mm. I felt that by saving them, I would be, you know, gaining all these brownie points. And if I gain all these brownie points, they must want to be with me, you know, for the rest of their lives. Mm. So it, it just somehow morphed that way in all my relationships. And I always did more for them than they did for me, you know? Um, and wasn't to their fault. It was just maybe because I was too available for them, you know? Mm. And I always wanted to solve everything for them. So I think that's where um, it kind of hurt me, you know, personally. And I think also what happens is when you stay in a relationship for that long, the things that are not normal starts to become normal for you. You know, you just get used to it or, you know, you just accept it mm -hmm. where it wouldn't be acceptable to somebody else. Or if I saw it with somebody else, it wouldn't be acceptable to me watching it. But when you're living it and you're in it and you just get used to it, that becomes your new norm. Mm -hmm. um, which is very hard to break out of. And yeah, I think that's what happens when you stay in a relationship for a very long time. Yeah, I could definitely relate to a lot of what you said there. And one of the things that are popping up in my head right now is just, you know, our 
sub like our our brains don't know whether it's right or wrong. So mm -hmm. we could be sitting we could be sitting in the wrong, let's say, and it feels normal, like you said, it feels comfortable, but really it's not when as an outsider looking in, you'd be like kind of weary of letting your friends kind of be in the same type of relationship. So it's kind of weird how our minds work. We, you know, whatever we tell it, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll basically believe it. So yeah. I, I can definitely relate to that in, in terms of, you know, my own personal relationships where I've overcompensated, let's say, mm -hmm. and uh, lost a piece of myself. And, you know, it's funny when there was this book that I read uh, called No More Mr. Nice Guy. It's funny when I read that and I speak to a lot of women now about, uh, you know, their relationship gripes or whatever that they've had in the past. And it seems to me that, you know, there's also kind of a similar pattern where, you know, I guess we were taught to give more. We were always taught to kind of blend in and homogenize with the other person and, and just to become one kind of thing. And it really did deplete us at the end of it because once that person is gone, we realize that we've enmeshed our whole entire lives around this person and then uh, it's kind of gone. So I'm just curious, you, you mentioned that <clears throat> you saw certain things, you saw like certain red flags or certain warning signs when you were with these people, but you're like, oh, you know what, I, I don't like to fail. I, did, I, I knew that I could save this and I knew I could fix it. But just to take a step back in that, what, what were the red flags? What were the warning signs that you saw from these men or these men that are these people that you dated and what kind of made you glaze over it? So what were the red flags and then what would you, how did you kind of glaze over that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you say that word red flags because it's um, something we probably see in a lot of the relationships that didn't work out for us, but we just chose to ignore it. And those red flags, I mean, it's, if it's not the best warning sign for you, I don't know what is because yeah, I saw them in, in, in all of them, but you just think that it's something that you can get past and it's something, and I would say, you know, maybe some relationships you can get past or that person's changed to uh, minimize those red flags. But um, out of my percentages, yeah, I saw those red flags from the very, very beginning. I mean, everything from um, being non-committal in other relationships, you know, that's a red flag. Um, a lot of, you know, people saying to you, you know, this person is not the right person for you. It's definitely something that you need to listen to because they're seeing something that you're not seeing. Um, other things, I'm trying to think back, it's been so long. <laughs> um, some of the things is just by the behaviors in the very beginning, um, you know, just play, playing that game, you know, that, that game you play, it's like, you know, they don't call you for a few days and then you, you know, it's just back and forth and it's like, you know, stop like the push and pull. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, um, we just tend to go through that and it shouldn't be that difficult. Um, and it just seemed to always have been difficult in the very beginning. And, you know, wondering why is he acting this way or why is she acting this way? And all those things are just definitely um, anything that makes you question. If he makes you question, then that's a red flag. But when you're sure of something, I mean, like, 
Example, certain friends, when you know you have an, a friend that's always going to be there for you, they never fail you. They're always there for you, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you need, you know, favor big or small. And I think that when you have some questions in the very beginning of a relationship, and I'm talking like, you know, a month or two, three months in, those are red flags. Those are definite red flags. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, just from from what I'm hearing from and what I'm getting from you, it sounds like there's a lot of intuitiveness that comes into mm-hmm. play that you're that something irks you and you're just like, you can't really put a word on it. You can't really put your put words on it, but you're just like, you know, something's up here. Something's definitely not feeling right. So in terms of that, it's like kind of pay attention to your intuition and then stick to it because I mean, love is a crazy thing. It's like a drug (laughs) and we get addicted to it. And what we'll do, we'll say or do anything to, to get the love that we feel like we need. And I, it's, 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 it's an incredible thing to kind of experience. It's great, but when you're in the wrong relationship, it could be, you know, detrimental to you as, as, as we currently saw. So, um, no, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, there's a lot of perspective that you've just already given for a lot of people, I think just listening in, I guess, in their own relationships and, and seeing the red flags and ignoring them when really they should be paying more attention to them. Yes. Um, I, I will say something though, that the red flags, I mean, it doesn't mean that you got to break up with the person. It means that there's some things that you have a non-negotiable mm-hmm. about. And it's just about communicating that non-negotiable. And if the person is unwilling, then that's when you have to make a decision if this person is good for you or not. For, so exactly. just going back to the example that you said, um, you were like, one one man was non-committal and that's a huge red flag yes obviously mm-hmm. when you're wanting, wanting to be in a long-term relationship with somebody you want exclusivity and when you bring that conversation up and i'm sure it always comes up like i mean every every woman every man is going to wonder so what are we yeah. like, we've been we've been together for so long it's like so what is this really you know what i mean so that question is always going to come up and obviously the question about exclusivity comes up and if he or she is not willing to budge on the matter then you know obviously you should listen to your intuition and say this is not for me and and walk away so that was a huge red flag for me because the conversation would come up every year where are we going with this what's going you know we've been in this for x amount of years where is this heading and you know you think the solve you know the thing that solves it is going on a vacation you know of course every you know everybody's happy and 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 uh you know there's no problems at that time but then what happens is you come back to reality and it's the same problem all over mm-hmm. again so sometimes we tend to look for these exterior, you know, um, situations to make the situation better, but it's not. The problem is always still going to be there. And that's basically what happened to me. So let's talk about the the most recent one. You said you had, um, you guys were living, um, 12, 13 years is a very long time to go without talking about marriage or having children. And I just want to talk a little bit about that. Where were you guys, ever having that conversation of children and marriage and things like that and yeah if you were why how come how come it never surmounted or uh or why did things kind of go separate ways like where where was the breaking point for you guys yeah there was a lot of ups and downs and you know we seeked counseling even which should have been another red flag we seeked counseling several times um and 
you know, I say to myself, like, why, why did I just let it go on for so long? Like, you know, I'm having to go to counseling now. And, you know, the counselor was, you know, telling us, you know, the problem isn't, is, isn't even between us. It's that he needed to fix himself before he can even fix anything between the two of us. And at that point, I really should have just said to myself, you know, I need to leave the situation so he can really fix himself. But, you know, the mother Teresa and me, you know, felt like I had to stay in it you know, to help him through it, you know, mm -hmm. again, um, a situation where I'm putting that person first, I'm not putting myself first. And that was another problem I had is that I always put um, the significant other first before I put myself first. I didn't even know how to put myself first, you know, so um, I feel like that's an Asian thing. That's like a yeah. we, we watch our moms. I, I don't know. I watched my mom do that. And so I was just like, man, is this normal? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's absolutely true. Um, so we always had the conversation and we'd work at it. And then, you know, you just go back into normal life. And before you know it, it's like another year has gone by. Um, and I think I was hoping secretly that he was going to leave me because it would have been easier. You know, it's always, I know it sounds weird, but it's easier when that person leaves you than you leave that person because it's, it's just gut wrenching the fact of how am I going to leave this person? You know, the thought of being alone again, the thought of starting all over again, it was a part of me really just almost felt like he would break up with me, but he never did. Um, I'm sure things were very comfortable at home for him. So there was really no reason to leave. Um, so, you know, uh, with all of those scenarios, I think it just, year after year after year before you know it it's your 10 years into the relationship already mm -hmm. so you know you kind of wonder you know how could you let it go on it just something adds to the story and next thing you know it's a year later you know like we got a puppy together you know and that was one incident that you know created happiness but then you know six months later you're back to where you are again so you're always trying to find these loopholes to better the relationship or better the situation. But in hindsight, six, nine months later, you're just in the same exact situation, you know? And I didn't know this until after I'm com I was completely out of it, you know? But yeah. when you're in it, you just stick it out, you know? Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. I can relate to that. I mean with my ex-wife we had a lot of problems and we felt like running away from them was probably the best idea so we think oh it's a situational thing so we moved to vancouver and then in vancouver the same problems come around and then we're like oh okay let's add more kids into the mix that'll that'll change things <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so it, we, we have a really interesting way of of kind of i guess as humans i'm saying this as human beings we have an interesting way of kind of solving our dilemmas when we're really into it but you know this is why i love having these conversations because then other people who are listening and they're just like you know what i'm either right there i'm just like where I'm, I'm about to go through it or they might be finding themselves in a situation in the future and they're like you know what i remember this this conversation that rob and kelly had um it sounds all the way too familiar and it it really does wake them up and brings them into a little bit of a higher frequency where they can accept more information uh that yeah. might be better better for them um and so 
Yeah, this is awesome. I think, you know, just to wrap up that one last one relationship here, I have like just a question. Um, did you guys have a healthy breakup or was it very, I guess, just kind of go our separate ways kind of thing? Because you guys live together. And I mean, living together is sort of like marriage, so to say. Yeah. I mean, and then you guys had a puppy. It's kind of like having a kid. But I mean, it's you've you've experienced the cohabitating of a relationship it's kind of like marriage and so mm -hmm. when you guys break up obviously there's needs to be the splitting of certain things and oh yeah um you know how did that go what did that look like was it healthy did you guys or do you guys still talk or yeah so luckily it was really healthy you know he understood where i was coming from and um he knew that i had deserved better and he explained that to me um it was just more harder because of the time invested. And, you know, we loved each other. It was just, it just wasn't going to work. Um, and for me, you know, because there were times that, you know, we broke up a few times and got back together. I had to figure out a way to make sure I wasn't going to fall back into the relationship. And, you know, I had to do a very hard thing, which was, um, you know, being that I, I wanted him out of the house, I said the only way I could make this work and know that I was gonna be, um, hold true to my word was I, you know, went out and looked for a housemate, you know, to, um, you know, occupy some space in my house so that I knew there was no opportunity for the relationship to go back together. Mm -hmm. So, um, we did that and I have to say it was it was tough, but it wasn't where you know we we disliked each other, got angry with each other. It was just uh luckily a very healthy breakup. Yeah. That's awesome. That might might have been really important to you um having a con like a, a like a conscious breakup did you guys did you ever have an unconscious one like a not an unhealthy uncoupling kind of like with your previous relationships and did, was it very important to you to have like kind of like a healthy breakup this time uh, around or was it always like that for you yeah it, it, it was always that way for me and and you know it's funny because you know every time I broke up with someone you know I get a lot of feedback from my friends of like why aren't you angry why aren't you you know I, I just I'm just not that type of person you know I'm just the type of person to just move on and you know having bigger fights or having um some major disagreements I think wasn't going to benefit either one of us. I just, at that point, it's like, I just want to stay focused and like, let's move on to the next chapter. I think that when you have two people that are going to be, um, you know, very resentful and have a lot of anger, it makes it harder, you know? So I probably made it a lot easier for them by just going away quietly, yeah. You know, I'm not the one, I'm not the type that chases after, you know, someone after we've broken up. Um, I'm just not that type. It's just, I really just try to move on and just, you know, I don't have time for this. I already, you know, hate to say it wasted this much time. What am I going to keep the drama on for, going on for? So I just, I tend to stay away from that. Um, yeah. Just learned that over the years. 
So I would say that I would, yeah, all my breakups have been healthy. That's awesome. And I wish I could say the same, but I mean, <laughs> there's obviously different people and different dynamics. Exactly. So this is uh, great news. I think for anybody to kind of hear that uh, you can you can do it as well. I think anybody listening in, you know, I think how, conscious uncoupling is one of the things that don't get taught very often. And, and, and mm -hmm. I get why bitterness is um, you, very good fuel sometimes. I mean, but it's not an effective tool, but it's still pretty good. And yeah, it, it's I, a lot of self-talk of, you know, what, what are you getting out of the bitterness? You know, where, where is it going to take, who, who does it benefit? Doesn't mm -hmm. benefit you, the other person, um, you know, if you have kids, it just, it, it just, it only makes it worse. So let's just make this right, do it the right way and not make it so complicated. Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's just hard because, you know, there's a lot of feelings involved and you really just have to control those feelings and figure out a way and say, you know, how is this benefiting anybody? Yeah, I mean, that is hard to do when you're pissed off. <laughs> I'll tell you I that know. right now. <laughs> really hard. <laughs> really hard. Um, and, and so, yeah, no, I get it. Um, you know, it just, it takes a little bit of time for each person to kind of come around and, and think that through. So, I um, mean, uh, that's awesome. And, and you said that you were not, you're not close to meeting anybody right now. You're, op you're open to, to that. You said your, your focus has definitely shifted. You mentioned that. And um, I just want to elaborate on that. It's, I mean, did you, did you have to go through a period where, I mean, you hated men and you hated relationships and you hated the whole concept of marriage and the whole concept of children? Because and, and the reason why I ask is because you said you felt like you wasted a lot of time. And, you know, you said you were 51 earlier in the podcast. And so you're at the age where, it, I mean, child rearing is probably not going to be an option for you. No. And, so, and so how did that, like, what did that process look like to you mentally? And what does it look like uh, even today? I mean, my curiosity comes from this. And I feel that women lose a lot of their happiness when they're not able to uh, have children or have a family that they've always wished that they've wanted. I think that's what, you know, growing up, women are very relational creatures. So that's, this was kind yeah. of like their, um, like, I guess their bread and butter, so to say, this is what they wake up thinking, whereas a guy will probably wake up thinking about, you know, his hobbies and his car and his mm -hmm. work. Whereas a woman is thinking about her future, her marriage, the person that she's going to marry, her children and stuff like that. And I hear this from a lot of women. And so the reason why I ask you this now is because there was a lot of bitterness, there was a lot of anger that these women had to go through before they can come to the realization that, you know what, okay, having children is not going to be an option, but I'm not going to be, I shouldn't be so closed off to having a relationship. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So two things, let's go to um, the subject of children. Um, so it's funny because I always thought I was going to have children. I mean, I was always around children since I was little, you know, um, I babysat all the time and I just, I had a knack for, I mean, I was probably helping changing diapers at the age of 10. So it wasn't anything that was uncomfortable for me. In fact, it was very comfortable for me. Um, and it was really interesting. Maybe it just happened by fate, but um, so I have two brothers and they're much older than me. So they're 11 and eight years older than me. So obviously, you know, them getting married and have 
having kids um, was just more advanced in years than I was. And for some reason, when they had their kids, and maybe it, it was just fate, I said to myself, I'm going to be the best aunt to my future nieces and nephews. Um, I mean, I even I even didn't want to go away for school. I wanted to stay in you know where I lived so that I wasn't going to miss out on any of their years, their younger years. Um, and ironically, I mean, I did. I was I took them everywhere with me. I remember I packed up a minivan with my four nieces and my nephew to drive up to New Hampshire to spend you know a long weekend at my grandmother's house. You know, and <laughs> I, I just don't know what it is. I just, I just said I wanted to be there for them. Um, I took them to every circus, basketball game, and it's like waited with my nephew for hours. At you know, coincidentally, the All Star was this weekend, but it was at that time it was in New York, and we waited for hours for an autograph. You know, and and I just wanted to create those memories with them, and it's just interesting because fast forward to today. You know, and now they're, you know, in their 30s and 20s, and I'm still close with them. And I think that somehow the universe knew that I wasn't going to have kids, but I treat all five of them as if they're my own. Um, so I think that definitely filled that void for me. Um, you know, I'm not saying that is going to happen for everybody, but... Somehow, some way, the universe made it so that I didn't have kids, but I have these five other, um, you know, nieces and nephew in my life that I was able to be that, not even so much that mother figure, because they actually sometimes see me as a mentor, as a friend, as a confidant, and um, I did, they just know that I'm here for them, no matter what. I mean, they still want to hang out with me, even though they're in their 20s. It's still super you important. Yeah, you met Danielle yeah. last year, you know? Oh, and, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do remember so her. They still want to hang out with me. So I guess that's yeah. a good thing. So whatever I planned from the time of their birth, um, really just somehow the universe made it synchronized so that I was able to have this special relationship with all of them. Mm -hmm. Um and then obviously, you know, I love my dog who's going to be 10 years old and I treat him like a child. So that also has filled that void. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like where the, all that came from. And I think that that's why I just don't feel that I'm missing anything because I made sure I created that, you know, from the time that they were born. Um so that's that's that part on on the children's side and and you mentioned before about you know how I feel about now being in a relationship or not being in a relationship what I realized was from the time that I started dating which was in college all the way up to my very last relationship I never had a break I went from one relationship to another I never knew what it was like to be alone and now that I've experienced what that is like to be alone, I mean, it is the best thing you can do for yourself because I didn't know I didn't know who to take care of anybody anymore. You know, I always took care of somebody. I didn't know how to take care of me. And 
you need to be alone so that you can take care of yourself, to love yourself, not to like, you know, hate what's going on in your life. And I realized that I can't depend on someone to make me happy. I have to make myself happy. So from my last relationship where it was, you know, my longest and I was finally alone. Wow. That was some serious, you know, self-love deep dive on, you know, really understanding how important it is to be alone. Mm -hmm. um, and now I just have a whole different perspective. Um, and I don't have any ill will against men. I don't, um, you know, I do still date. Um, and I have a lot, a lot of male friends. I actually sometimes tend to feel like I have more male friends than I do female friends, but I don't negate it. I've just kind of shifted my focus where I've always shifted on the relationship. I've never focused on me and my goals. I always focused on them. So I just have found this new path for myself that's, um, you know, um, not to jump back, but my spiritual coach said to me, list all those people that were in your life and make sure you find out what was the positive thing that came out of it. And I don't mean, you know, oh, I, I, you know, I'm free from that. Something specifically positive that came out of it and you are grateful for it, thankful for it, and then you just let it go, you know, send it off its way. And I think right now that's where I am. I'm just on this path of, you know, being, it's weird. I'm more happy now than I've ever been, you know, and I'm not in a very long-term relationship. And it's so bizarre because not, everyone I speak weird. to now, <laughs> I'm sorry? It's not weird. I, I, could, I could definitely feel <laughs> And it's like nowadays, everybody's like, all they want to do is find, you know, their mate for life. And it's just, it's just not on my priority as it used to be. If it comes great, you know, and, and I still will date and I, you know, have been dating and it's just, but I'm just not ready for, you know, for marriage at the moment, because it just, it's just not, it's not there right now. And I don't want to just force it. Like I wanted to force it previously. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, it makes sense. Mike drop everywhere on that last statement. I mean, we, we <laughs> up, it's over. All right, everybody go home. We got all the gold. I mean, no, that was great. I think anybody listening in can definitely take a lot from that. Even myself, I was just like, um, I was seeing a little bit of you and uh, seeing a little bit of me and you there as mm -hmm. well. That's why I said it wasn't weird because, you know, I'm at that place where, uh, just like you, I was kind of in long-term relationship after long-term relationship after long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I did have bouts of, of, you know, staying alone and things like that. But now that this has kind of like been my longest time where I've just been single, so to say, I've been openly dating, don't get me wrong, but I mean, um, just being single for so long, um, it really did give me a, diff a new appreciation for myself and my own life. And I've really started to focus on other things. And so awesome. Let's talk about that for you though. What what um I thought this was interesting. Um the La Life, or how do I how do I say it? Lay La Life? La La Life. Life. My Chinese name. La Life. La Life. La Life. So sorry, I butchered that. Lie Life. You came up with an idea there. So let's talk about that. And how did that idea come to fruition? I think this is so so great because it's multifaceted, but um I want to talk about that 
how did that come into fruition for you? Like, where did that concept come from? Um, yeah, so let me give you a little bit background on this because it's actually interesting how we talk about where failures turn into positive situations. And this happened to be one of them. Um, so long story short, I was going to go into business with somebody um, in the fitness um, industry and, you know, it didn't work out, but a positive came out of it. Right. And, you know, it was hard for me because Again, I was investing my time, my money into a situation where I just didn't want to give it up. And unfortunately, it just, you know, it it, it failed. Um, but the positive that came out of it was that I developed um, my e-commerce business out of it. So what happened was I was helping this person teach a fitness class and a lot of my students had issues with their knees. So I would find them rolling up the yoga mat, using a towel. And I said to myself, there had to be something else out there. And at the time I was taking an Amazon course at the same time on finding products to sell on Amazon. And I came across something called the balance pad, which is used at a physical therapy office. And I was like, let me just try this out. So I had multiple sources from China send me samples. Um, and I said, you know what, this is amazing. This is exactly what these women need. So long story short, I made this balance pad into three different sizes to serve different uses. And I said, let me just try it. Let me market it. Let me just see if this is something that solves a problem, you know, and sure enough, um, I started doing craft shows. I was doing expo health expos. And I, you know, the hard part with this is you do have to explain it. You do have to demonstrate it. Um, but once people have tried it, it was, it was gold for them. Yeah. You know? It was like, wow. And what happened was where it was something that I thought was just going to be used for exercise, whether you, you know, kneel kneel on your knees to do any kind of you know leg um workout or any kind of tailbone where you're sitting on it and you needed um some sort of you know cushioning on your tailbone um it morphed into other things for example a mom giving a kid a bath instead of kneeling on the bathroom floor they needed some sort of mat or um plumbers and electricians you know they hate those things they wrap around their knees because it's, you know, it, it, it's, it irritates the back of their knees. Um, it's just so many other things. Um, people who meditate, you know, they don't find those bolsters that, that, that comfortable, but they found that my mat really takes the pressure off their tailbone. So it just morphed into other things. And yeah, so I said, let me just test it. And that's all you have to do is you have to keep testing, you know, and you just start out with, the minimum amount of quantities and then see if you sell out. <laughs> who's it, who's your ideal customer for that? Like, I mean, you mentioned a bunch of people like plumbers and stuff like that. I mean, who is it, who is it like originated for? You mentioned yogis and people in the fitness industry. Is that, is that kind of who you're still targeting? So that is who I'm still targeting. Um, but when I'm out there at a craft show, I get the moms, I get <laughs> the contractors, you know, I get, 
people who, you know, now they're, 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 people don't want to sit anymore. So they want to stand, they have a standing desk, but standing on a hard, you know, wood floor after a while makes it uncomfortable for them. So they start using my mat as like a balancing mat. So, you know, I have a good, bad problem. You know, I have a, a, a product that, that solves, you know, a lot of different issues. <laughs> no, I could definitely feel that. I mean, there's, there's, um, a lot of room for that, I guess, in terms of your own growth, where you can start catering to certain industries uh, and things like that. Well, that's exciting. This is awesome. So that's obviously uh, been, a, I guess, kind of like your own baby, so to say. I mean, having your own business is kind of like having your own baby. You nurture it, you watch it grow, and you get to, you know, I guess, check up on it every every now and then. And so um, that's kind of awesome. So I guess like you, you're also coaching in that area or where where is your most of your coaching lie i guess does it um or is it multifaceted yeah um so the challenge you know going back to the business um it is challenging because i still work full-time um and still you know have a full-time job in advertising so all these side ventures are just you know in the evenings and on the weekends or any free time so i'm not gonna lie it's challenging it's mm. definitely um you know, you only have so many hours in the day, so many days of the week. And obviously you have other obligations like family obligations and functions and things like that. So it's definitely challenging. Um, so I didn't want to do just e-commerce um, because I also felt that um, I tend to do really well with millennials. And what I mean by that is maybe because it's through my five nieces and nephew where they're millennials. Um, I've always been a mentor to them. And in my full-time job where I'm at, uh, in advertising that I've been in for, you know, well over 25 years, all my assistants are millennials. And I've always developed a fantastic relationship with them. And, you know, not to dote on myself, but they never want to like leave me or go to somebody else or work for somebody else. <laughs> and it's just because I think I have this connection with millennials and, and um, it really morphed into the idea of, I want to do more speaking of, you know, talking to executives of how do you deal with the millennials these days? Because it's not like, you know, back in the old day when I was an assistant, it's not how it is today. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people are making that transition. So that's kind of where I'm going with next is speaking to executives. Um, and in terms of coaching, I always found myself just always giving that advice and making that person feel good and having them have some sort of structure. And again, maybe it's because I am 51. I've just had all this experience, but I somehow do it in a way where it inspires them and motivates them. And that's why I've um, dived into the coaching business as well. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. This is this is awesome. I just uh, I've, I've known this about you, but hearing this out of the, the <laughs> spectrum is 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 just refreshing because, you know, I do have a lot of millennials that listen in on the show and I'm sure, yeah. uh, you know, they can also relate to this and I relate to you a lot as well. And there's some things that we've, we've touched upon even at the summit where we're just like, wow, it's awesome. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and um, no, it's, it's, it's a good thing to have. I always talk about how 
people in other generations should pay attention to the zeitgeist of other generations because it helps not only your business but it helps the way that you interact with people and mm -hmm. as you grow up and so like yeah your nieces and nephews are going to obviously grow up and and you know they're going to grow and if you don't know how they're growing then it's like how can you relate to them in the future and this goes with like parenting as well too so it's just yeah I think it's just really important for everybody to kind of not be so stuck in their ways, especially in this day and age, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I just, um, I, I feel that a lot of the executives these days, you know, it's it's kind of like a sink or swim mentality and you just can't do that. You know, I you need to take them through step by step and just make them feel that you're, you're important to the team, not just here's a task, get it done and get it done by the deadline. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I tend to mix the learning process with the, you can always ask me any question and don't ever think it's a dumb question. I mean, my door is always a revolving door. I mean, people come in all the time and I make sure that they feel that they can come in through my door anytime. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think a lot of executives, they make it seem where it's hard for them to come to them and ask them a question because they feel like, is this a smart question or is this a dumb question? So I never want them to feel that way. I always feel like it's an open door policy. And if there's something you don't understand, I'm here to explain it to you, you know, in five different fashions, as long as you get it. Um, but never to make them feel that they're less, you know, less than anybody else that's in the company. So mm -hmm. I just feel that there's a way to handle it. And it's, um, yeah, I, I just see it through, you know, other companies, even my own company. And I just, I would never treat that person that way because it's, it's not going to work. You know, you're not going to keep them for long. You know, my last assistant, she was with me for over four years and she was just so scared to move on to the next, you know, her next chapter in another company. And I had to actually push her I'm like, <laughs> no, you need to do this. Um, so that's kind of um, where that all came about. Awesome. I mean, I could go on for hours about this because, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is my wheelhouse. I love talking about coaching and, and, and things like that and pushing people to their to their limits and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we are on a time limit and I do want uh, people to get a hold of you. So how, uh, like, where, where's the best way that people uh, can connect with you? Social media or is it email or how, or, or cell phone or what's up? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I have multiple um, accounts, but um, for my e-commerce, it's uh, lie life. That's L A I L I F E products.com. And that's where, um, I have everything about the balance pad and how it's used and, um, all the multiple different ways of using it. And then, um, my website for my speaking in coaching is Kelly speaks.com. So those are the two places you can find me. So I'm just, making sure I have all this so I can put that in the show notes and then you guys can connect with Kelly. These balance pads are really, they're, they're so useful. I mean, I, I see so many uses for this and I know that uh, yoga is definitely one of those new things that people are really, really catching on. And mm -hmm. um, I do see, I do see this taking off and um, <laughs> I don't know if I can, share my, I don't know if I can share my screen here with you guys. <laughs> 
And what's great is, um, you know, going back to where we met, which was at Summit. I mean, it's amazing because everyone that I gave a pad to at the Summit that was interested in it, I mean, they love it and they just, um, they just found that it's just been so helpful. So, um, you know, Michelle uses it for meditation. Um, so it, it- Shout out Michelle. I'm sorry? There she is right there. I, oh, I said shout out Michelle. And yeah, right there. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, these, these balance pads, like I said, they're, they look super comfortable, look super useful for people in, even in yoga or even working out. And you said even plumbers. And I saw that, um, you had a testimonial somewhere. I don't know. It was, it was from a mechanic, but he was saying how, how amazing it saved his knees and how much yeah. it's, it's been such a, uh, an amazing, I, I guess, asset to his life and how it helps him in, in his work and things like that too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so Kelly Wong speaks and LiveLifeProducts.com. You guys can get it uh, on the show notes. So if you guys are obviously too lazy to go check that out, um, but I'll link it up. But no, this is awesome. Great. This is awesome to have you on. I always end the show with one last question, and it's because a lot of people come find me when they're down in the dumps through a breakup. As you know, I help a lot of divorced fathers. Um, you know, just offering that support and that safe space for that uh, for them and. Uh, now a lot of women come up to me and, and just they don't know how to cope either. And so I've kind of opened up that. So don't feel like you're only talking to divorced fathers. But um, heartbreak is one of those things that we don't, like I said, we don't know how to cope with it. There's a lot of things that go on in terms of heartbreak. We all deal with it differently. What would you say to somebody who's down and out right now, who's going through a heartbreak? What's something that you can pass along that you've learned in, in your life uh, that would probably be beneficial to them right now? Um, you just have to be patient with it. It's just time. Time is the healer. And I know you, it, going through the hurt is tough. I mean, we've all been through it. And you just have to allow for that time to open up the doors because it's happened over and over again for so many people that I know. And it's unfortunately one of those things that you just have to go through. But when you go through it, you feel stronger, you feel more um, wisdom, and it really just catapults your next chapter. And if you just allow for that time to happen, I mean, the world is your oyster. And it's just something, unfortunately, there's no other quicker way to do it. You just have to make sure that you're true to yourself. You know, don't create drama. Don't chase the person back, try to win them back. Just take the time to work on yourself and it will get a lot easier. It'll get a lot easier and you'll see how other doors will open. And you just have to put it out to the universe. I'm really big on manifestation and, and you will see how, the, how your life will change. Beautiful. All right, thank you, Kelly, for coming on the show. Thank you. It was awesome.